You're listening to WJMF Radio, the beat of Bryant. What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Brian Costa, and today we have got a fantastic episode in store for you. As Major League Baseball begins its second half of the season, we will take a look at the Boston Red Sox and decide which direction they should go as they approach the trade deadline. Plus, the NBA has unveiled a new in-season tournament, which has even the most diehard hoops fans scratching their heads. Also, the latest on Damian Lillard and so much more. But first, I'd like to welcome today's guest to the show. He is a DTW regular and personal friend. So without any further ado, please join me in welcoming back to the show, Bryant Johnson. Bryant, glad to have you back with us today. It's great to be back. Yeah, absolutely, man. Dude, how, how have you been doing? Uh, I've just been busy, you know, just yeah. living life yeah, and you, lavish. Yeah, you're doing like some uh, nursing home stuff still? Uh, yeah, I've been doing uh, some some cleaning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been seeing about that, man. I know like you've been having some crazy shifts. Like I know like and you, like, you've been saying that these haven't been crazy, but like the like the 3 p.m. to 7 a.m. Like it's unbelievable. Like what's going on, what you're up to right now. Yeah, you know, they just do the the doubles. Some of the doubles king over here. Jesus. Um, You know, in the medical profession, it's pretty common to work a lot. That's fair, dude. I mean, listen, I, 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 I've done like an all-nighter kind of thing like that before having to go you know into the morning like that and i was uh frankly it was me going in the morning at my graduation but yeah i can't imagine doing that for a job i think i'd be like it weighing over my head uh, you get used to it over time it's not too bad yeah all right well anyways man i'm glad to have you back on i know that uh there are some things we want to talk about just uh in mlb nba uh, even some NHL, even and some NFL news. So we'll kind of cover a bunch of different things today. But I wanted to start off in the in the MLB and obviously start off start off with the Boston Red Sox, who, as of late, have been playing really good baseball. They just beat the Chicago Cubs last night after hitting six home runs. Count them six. They did awesome last night, and they do this while going into the All Star break. Uh, they were on a five game win streak. How do you feel about the Red Sox right now? I think that, you know, all in all, it's a pretty good feeling around this team. I think that, uh, you know, people feel pretty good right now. How do you feel about this team? Um, coming into the season, as as you know, I voiced my opinions about Kime Bloom and thinking sure. that the Red Sox were going to be a really shaky team this year. But yeah, a lot of moving pieces came together and it was it, they've been playing really well lately, especially after the All-Star break. Devers last night was hot and I would like to see him continue. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, two bombs for him last night. He was fantastic. Uh, Justin Turner even went deep. So uh, multiple guys in that lineup contributing for you. And it's great to see from them. So, I mean, right now we're, I believe it's six games above 500. We were five games above going into the break, plus the win out of uh, plus the win out in Chicago. And I we are still two games back of the final wild card spot. So, Brian, at this point, do you think that the Red Sox should go for it? Do you think that you know, as we get closer to the trade deadline, what would be your approach with the team? Should you buy or sell? I would buy. I think that our team has a good core right now. I mean, it's not as good as previous years, obviously, but I think if we could build around Turner, Devers, Yoshida, even Duran right now, mm -hmm. I think we could have a, a good a good shot to go far. Maybe not super far, but I think Boston needs a nice little playoff run at least divisional series, if not championship. So 
I think if we added maybe some pitching, especially like some relievers, because we're kind of short on the relievers. We got Bernardino, we got um, Winchowski, and who's the other one? Schreiber, but Schreiber's yeah. been injured. Yeah, he's been hurt. So other than that, we're kind of we're kind of slim on the relievers. Garza's been struggling a lot. Ort's always kind of been struggling, and Bleer. So I think we if we add like some solid relievers, maybe even um one or two hitters that we can plug into the lineup towards the end of the season, I think we could be a solid team. Now I I understand where you're coming from with that. And I mean I look at the team right now and mathematically we're in the playoff hunt. Like we are in the ability we are in the, you know, we're not mathematically eliminated. We have a shot. And I think that if we are able to continue this luck that we've had going into the break and now coming out of it, if you can continue that into the Chicago series, then sure. I mean, you want to go for it and have a shot. But, Brian, I look at this team, and all throughout the season, it's been just a myriad of ups and downs. Like, we've had, you know, seven-game win streaks like this throughout this season, and there have been times where the Red Sox have looked like one of the best teams in the league. But then you go and you face inferior competition, and then they always seem to fall back to 500. Now, Obviously, this could change. That could have just been a first half. Uh, you know, they could have been in a funk. These young guys could say, all right, we feel confident in ourselves now. We could bust out of it. But frankly, I want to see some more consistency just before I really say, like, all right, like, let's really go for this thing. I know that we were able to, you know, beat the Oakland A's, which on paper doesn't seem like a big deal. But the fact that we had played so poorly against bad competition I will actually take that as a good step in in a as a step in the right direction, but there still is a lot more things that need to be done. Yeah, I could agree with that. I think that we struggle. I think we play down to our competition. Hundred percent. Um, you know when I can't remember when we swept the Yankees and we come right into the series against the Rockies and we just drop. It might have been was it three or four games or two or three games. Uh, yeah, it was something like that. Something like that. And the Rockies, you know, they're a decent team. They're not great, but they're not terrible. And But they're missing Chris Bryant, who's really their core there. And we, we just couldn't hang with them, which no. was sad to see after we just swept, a, at the time, a hot Yankees team. Yeah, I mean, like, that. that's the issue I see with it. Like, like what the highs of this team right now are the young guys. Like, Brian Bayo, Garrett Whitlock, when he was healthy, uh, Tanner Houck before he got popped in the face, like, those guys were like the anchors of this rotation and uh, guys like Chris Sale obviously had his had his injuries uh, throughout this year as well. So I look at this team and I'm like, if we could capitalize on that, then sure, we can make a push for the postseason. But I know that, you know, just with the way this team has been up and down, I'm not too sold on it just yet. I mean, and I look at the trade deadline. I don't want to go full sell mode and sell off like big pieces and big parts, but uh, you know, this is a conversation I've even, I've even been having with my brother is that I think you have to explore looking at a possible Justin Turner trade. The guy's 38 years old. He's actually performing really well right now. And, you know, guess what? If this team is competing, then I don't want them to trade him. But if it's, you know, if they're teetering on the edge, if it doesn't look likely like they're going to make the playoffs come the end of this month, then I think that you take a guy who's, you know, in the later half of his career is performing exceptionally well for his age. And you find a contending team and you see if you could get a good prospect out of them. That's what I would look at in that case. Either way, though, that's the case with Justin Turner. But either way, if this team is competing or not, I do think that Adam Duvall should be off the team just because of what he's going to be. He's an older guy. 
Jaron Duran is performing pretty well now. And I think that you got to give him some room to run. And frankly, I just don't think that Adam Duvall is going to serve a good purpose on this team going forward. That's an interesting take. I would totally agree with that statement. If, I mean, we have Ref Schneider, which you can plug into left, and then you have Duran who can run center. Mm-hmm. But I think Duvall would still serve a purpose, even if you give Duran a, a better leash to run. Say, if Costas is struggling, we plug Turner into first base and you move um, Duvall to DH because he's got that pop, man. Sure. He, he really doesn't miss when you get an RBI opportunity, him and Turner. Um, so that brings me back to the, the Turner point you were making. I'd hate to see them get rid of Turner, even though he's a 38 year old, you know, he's not playing the field. He doesn't really get that wear and tear on the body. So I could see him playing well into his forties, the way he's hitting right now, like a Miggy sort of thing, you know? I mean, you could see that, but those guys also have a huge drop off. And I mean, would I like the Red Sox to hold on to Justin Turner? Sure. I think that he's a great kind of player. I actually like the way that he plays the game. I don't have an issue with it, but I just don't know if it makes sense to keep him on this team just based on the way that we're going with the youth movement. I think that if you could get something of value for him, if this team isn't competing, I think you should explore that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So that's how I look at that. But yeah, I mean, like the, obviously there are some great highs with this team, which I do want to acknowledge. Brian Bayo has been, you know, the de facto ace of this team. He's been fantastic for us. Uh, it's the best pitching prospect that we've developed in with the Red Sox since John Lester. He's been awesome for us. So, uh, I have high hopes for him, but you can't put all the weight on his shoulders. I know that you even said that we need to go out there and get pitching. Is there anyone on the market that you know that you would kind of want to recommend that you go after, whether it be a starter, reliever, um, some, th- something of that caliber? Um, we'd have to give up a lot, but I really like Shane Bieber. Sure. Shane Bieber, uh, another name, Marcus Stroman. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Cubs are going to be out of it, in my opinion. So yeah. I think they're going to be willing to sell. It's just the price that they're going to be willing to sell is the mm-hmm. problem. I also want to come back to the pitching topic. Um, like you said, I think some of our problems with being streaky has a lot to do with our pitching injuries. As you mentioned, Hauk with the face, but he should be back soon. Yeah, um, he should be able to come back from that. That's it, lo- Luckily, like, I, while it's unfortunate that like it's a terrible injury, to obviously, obviously, to take a comebacker to the face like that, but what is good is like it doesn't seem like it should be anything mechanical. It's not like he has a lingering elbow. It's not like a shoulder injury where, you know, for pitchers, that's a nightmare that could shut down your whole season. He's on the same timetable as, say, Justin Turner was when he got hit by a pitch in the face. Like it should be um, a similar turnaround for him. Now, maybe there could be some mental hiccups that he would have to get over, but that would be the majority of the of the rehab for him. So uh, when he comes back, I'm expecting good things for him. And then, yeah, Whitlock as well. And then I don't even know what the timetable is for sale. I'm assuming it's probably the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I I really don't know with him. I mean, they said that they looked at him and I think they did like an, you know, a scan on his arm and they didn't see any like further damage. They said that he could probably, you know, start throwing again. So I don't know if that's going to look like a rehab start here or there. And then he finally built himself back up to get to the major league roster again. I mean, he's been doing this the past three years now, so. Uh, it's probably going to be the formula that they follow again. So I'm not too sure. Yeah. And then, um, I was kind of upset when he got injured cause I, he was pitching like his old self again yeah. and the Red Sox were really feeding off of that. Every time he pitched, it seemed like we were, uh, holding teams to two runs. And at the time our offense was kind of sluggish, but we were really 
doing a good job of keeping the runs down on the other side. Yeah, that was the big thing, too, is that, um, you know, the offense has started to pop recently. Like, um, you know, just seeing how we did re- just seeing how we did last night against Chicago. Um, I know earlier in the season that was kind of a, you know, troubled case for us. So, um, you know, if Chris Sale could get back and was pitching, not even just like his old self, but just, you know, kind of like the version of him that we were seeing earlier this year, um, that would be a major boost to the rotation. And then if you have a big four of, you know, say going into the postseason of Bayo, Sale, Whitlock, Hauk, like that's a good four rotation. Like that's something you could really roll over. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hell no. The guy. Uh, no. That we should we should probably drop. Yeah. He's I think they're only keeping him on to help Bayo, help the young guys because you know he was a really good Cy Young award sure. winner at one point. So he knows he knows how to fool hitters, but at this point he just doesn't have the stuff. Yeah, his stuff's gone. Yeah. Like he just doesn't have it anymore. So that's the big issue with him. But I don't know. I it's gonna. I mean, a lot's gonna have to be determined over the next couple weeks. Like if they are in a com- if they are competing, then I would say you know, full throttle, go for it. And like, let's buy the deadline. But at this point out, like we're still only halfway through the month. We got two weeks to go. And, you know, this thing could really go one of two ways. If they, if they're, if they battle their way into a wild card spot, they fight and they actually get out of last place in the American leagues. Cause that's the biggest thing over anything right now. Like they are sure they're battling for a playoff spot right now, but if they end the season in last place, they're not making it to the playoffs. So that's going to be the big thing is that they're going to actually have to do damage against guys in their own division. I know Baltimore is kind of getting a little shaky right now. Toronto has been having their issues. The Yankees are really, you know, kind of not looking so solid right now. So if they can take advantage of those series, um, which will be coming up soon, I would say that's, you know, that then you got a shot. I could see the Rays getting in a little, a little funk soon, especially with McClanahan down for a, I think it's at 15 day IL, but it could sure. be longer than that. But the Rays, unfortunately, Brian, it's not the those aren't the guys you're going to really have to worry about. The Rays, unfortunately, are just so far ahead out in the division. Like, yeah, sure, they could lose a game here or there. It's not really going to matter that much in climbing up the division ladder. It's yeah. not because, like, sure, like you might like you might gain a gain you might gain a game on them or something like that, but. Like you're still going to be having a battle back against the Orioles, the Blue Jays, the Yankees. Those are the three teams you're going to have to really be concerned about. Obviously, you do want to do well against the Rays like they are your division opponent and a loss would really hurt you. It would only slide you back further in that race. But you need to take care of business against those other three teams. We always take care of business against the Blue Jays. So that's not really something I'm kind of concerned about. Yeah, That's been surprising. We've been smoking them this year. I don't honestly know what it is. It might just be. I don't, I don't know. They can't. Honestly, Pachette struggled against us. Guerrero hasn't really done a, much, and uh, we've really mashed their pitching. Yeah, I mean, it, what it sometimes is, man, is when you see it. I mean, listen, like when you see like a National League opponent or just another American League opponent that maybe you only see once a year, like you don't really get a chance to get a feel for him. But when it's a division opponent that you're seeing, you know, two, three, four times a year for multiple games, you eventually start to kind of get a pattern with them. And it's like, okay, like I can, you know, start to like, you're seeing these pitchers more than any other competition in the league. And eventually you're going to figure some things out. So I think that's kind of what we're seeing with the blue Jays. Right. Team I'm nervous for is uh, the Orioles. They got a really solid young roster. And when we were watching the all-star game, they got some, they got some arms in their bullpen. I'll tell you that. I forget. What was his name? Was it Valdez? Uh, I can look it up. He um, was throwing, 
it doesn't even really matter what his name is, but I just know he was throwing a hundred, hundred to a hundred two, and then he had a nasty changeup and a a sinker. I was like, geez, that'd be a problem. Uh, was it uh, Batista? Oh yeah, Felix Batista, and then uh, he struggled in the All Star game, but I think he could do some damage in the season. For yeah, sure. Felix Batista, and then uh, Yanir uh, Cano. Those guys are both just monsters. Like they're. They're not even built like pitchers. They're built like like linebackers. like they're well, yeah, linebackers. I guess you could say for football, but um, you know, in baseball terms, they look like a power hitting left fielder that you stuck on the mound like in a in Matt a Holiday blowout. vintage. Yeah, it's crazy. Like they are just jacked, and they, like you said, they can pump it to one hundred two, which is crazy. So, I mean, like that's gonna be tough for us. I think that you know you have a good shot down the down the line with them, but um. You know, that's going to be the big question going forward. I think that if things go well, they obviously can, you know, make some noise. And I think they could get, you know, get it. Um, you know, they could start to make some noise and get busy. But I just don't know what it's going to look like after this. It's kind of all up in the air. You know, we talked about the streaks. I think if we're on a nice winning streak and we stay hot, then I could see us squeaking into the wild card. If we're up and down, I, I don't think we're going to make it at all. And at that point, you know, as you said, we might as well sell. Yeah. So one of the guys that, you know, if if they are competing and they are deciding to, you know, go in and buy, and maybe they want to really make a big splash. Obviously, the the biggest name on the trade block right now is Shohei Otani. I know that there are reports that uh, Artie Moreno, the owner of the team, said, we are not trading him. He's the best player in baseball, and we're not just going to give him up. But. I frankly, if I'm the Angels, if you look at Shohei Otani and he's basically saying, like, I don't want to play for a losing franchise anymore, you're doing yourself a disservice by not trading him. You at least need to get something for him, in my opinion. So I think that the Angels at least should explore it. They shouldn't just completely turn down trade negotiations. But uh, at this point, it would look like it would take a monster deal to get him even on just a rental deal. So if you're the Red Sox, do you do that? Do you, you know, potentially risk giving up a guy, giving up guys like a Nick York, like a Blaze Jordan, potentially even a Marcelo Meyer, if it means getting Shohei in the building, what would you do if you're Heim Bloom in that situation? Um, I would definitely not go after Otani. I don't think we have big enough pieces, first of all, to get an Otani. And to be fair, I I don't know if he really fits the Red Sox lineup that well. Mm. I think he he's um he's doing great out at LA, but that that franchise is built around him and Trout, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I think he really has chances to shine, whereas if he comes to Boston, I think he'd really have to settle for a lesser role. I don't think so. I think that Shohei is kind of built a little bit different. I think that if you look at him, he, you know, kind of has more of an old school approach to him where I think he's a really, you know, big hard nosed competitor. You saw him during the WBC when he was going, uh, you know, toe to toe with Mike Trout and, and Team USA in that final round. You know, he was throwing 100, you know, 102 miles an hour was, you know, looking like a different animal out there. And then also was just incredible at the plate, too. So I don't know. I think that he should be. Uh, I think the Red Sox at least should, you know, potentially entertain it. But what would we what would we trade for him? I think we'd have to give up some really big pieces. It would be a slew of prospects. That's the big thing. But I mean, and frankly, I don't want to give up Marcelo Meyer. He's. You know, our best he is, pro- he's very good. He's the best prospect we have. And frankly, after losing Xander Bogarts, my I'm hanging my hat on the fact that he's gonna be the next guy. Like we, you know, when the Red Sox traded Nomar Garcia Parra in 2004, there was a 10 year window almost, you know, nine years 
where it was just a rotating door of different shortstops. Alex Gonzalez, Marco Scudero, Micah Velez. Yeah, J.D. Drew. Just all these different uh, – J.D. Drew is an outfielder. Steven Drew. Steven. Um, yeah, just we were throwing all these different guys out there just trying to make something work. And then Bogarts comes up at the end of 2013. Obviously, he started at third base, but by the time 2014 came around, he was the full-time shortstop and, you know, was that guy there for, you know, a solid eight, nine years. I don't want to have to do that, you know, that, you know, bridge period thing again. And if you have a guy right now in um, in Meyer who can take that spot, I think you just let him go and, you know, be the captain of that infield. Yeah, I like I like the Meyer kid a lot, to be honest with you. I, I could see him being a, a player like Bogarts where, you know, Bogart started off a little slow, but picked mm-hmm. it up right away and instantly became a clubhouse leader and led us on the field. Yeah, I mean, he's already in double A right now. I know he's struggling there right now, but uh, for a kid his age, he just got there. I think that he's still got plenty of time. He's not even really projected to even come up this year. So uh, if he just gets in triple A by the end of this year, maybe for the September call playoff run, then I think it's a success for him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So that's what I that's where I look at this right now. Um, You know, when it comes to the Red Sox, I'm hoping that they can make the push to get into the postseason, but we'll obviously have to wait and see. So that's what we have in terms of MLB news for you guys in NBA news. However, we got two topics I wanted to discuss. Bryant, this first one you didn't know much about going into the show. So I wanted to at least do a little kind of little, uh, you know, kind of cover it a little bit for you guys and maybe for you guys who also don't know too much about this. So. Uh, The NBA just uh, announced that they're going to have a new in-season tournament, which is going to take place between November and December as a way to essentially counteract against load management, which, you know, Brian, if you've been watching the NBA, that's been the biggest issue, you know, so far for them is, you know, major star players sitting out of games where they just don't feel like it's worth playing. And, you know, for if you're an if you're a fan of a team saying go to a Lakers game paying, you know, big ticket money to see LeBron James play. And he just shows up in a suit and he's not injured. Like you're going to be pretty pissed off. So, I mean, I, I can understand where they're coming from with this, but this whole tournament idea just seems kind of off to me. And this is how it works. So there was a video that came out, Richard Jefferson, uh, you know, did his best to try to hype people up for it, but uh, you know, go watch it if you haven't seen it yet. But frankly, I'm more confused after seeing the video than just, uh, (laughs) than just having the idea of a tournament explained to me. And he basically says that there's going to be four group stage games uh, where teams will face each other. Uh, The six group winners, um, which were assigned randomly, will then go to a knockout round with wild card teams. And then after that, you basically have a semifinal game and then a championship game in Las Vegas. And the semifinal and the championship do not count towards the regular season, but the group stage games do. So that's kind of where it gets a little muddied and confusing. So there will be some regular season games here tied in, but then there is another championship thing that gets set up outside of it. So Brian, I know that this is something we kind of see in pro soccer over in Europe. They have like, you know, different things like say in the premier league, the champions league where they have, you know, all these other, um, you know, tournaments going on in season. So do you think this can work in the NBA? Do you think that an NBA cup is something that uh, players could get on board with? See, I'm an old school type of guy. I I think it's going to be a strange tactic. I think I probably won't like it. Yeah. It'll be like, a, you know, the overtime, uh, not overtime, extra innings rule last year. That yeah. I was very heated about. Um, 
I like the idea of trying to get rid of this load management, because as you said, you know, people are paying big money. Some people don't have money to throw out the window, go to the game. And if you're a young kid, I remember when I was a kid, all you want to do is go see your favorite player. Your favorite player is sitting on the bench. Like, what's the whole point of going to the game? Yeah, I remember. I, I mean, I, I, you know, in a football context, I remember showing up or uh, no football, baseball context. I remember showing up to Red Sox games and Dustin Pedroia was on the bench and like John McDonald or something was like playing second base. And I'm like, who the hell is this? Don't guy? hate on John McDonald. He was actually no, he was the actually Connecticut guy. Yeah, he was actually a solid play. I will. I will give him credit. That was at the end of his career, though. But even in like uh, even in the NBA, I remember. I went to a Celtics game with my buddy Carter uh, and they were playing the 76ers and I show up and I just see Kemba Walker on the sidelines in just a nice suit. And I was like, why are we doing this? Like if he wasn't and he wasn't hurt at the time because I know Kemba had his injury history. He wasn't hurt when we went to go see him. He just had the night off. And I was like, I'm I'm trying to see you like compete against a really solid team, which the Sixers are a competitive team. And why wouldn't you be on the court for this? So I, I don't know. I like the idea of it. I'm just not all on board, though, with a full on tournament, because, listen, there's only one trophy that people care about in the NBA, and that's the Larry O'Brien trophy. It's the championship. That's what people are going to be judged on for their careers. No one's going to look back and say, oh, Jason Tatum won three NBA cups. So, like, that's great for his resume. Like, it's going to be like, no, did he win a chip? That's going to be the big ticket and the big uh, deciding factor on a guy's legacy. Yeah, Um. I honestly don't know what where where they're even going to put this tournament in terms of the season. Is it going to be towards the All Star break? Uh it's going to be before the All Star break, so it's going to be Let's see. Uh, it's it's in November, December, so kind of in the beginning of the year where you see a lot of that load management take place because players kind of say, "Oh, like these games are somewhat meaningless." Because say like we are in trouble down the stretch, we we can all just play and kind of make up uh, games later in the year. Okay, I think that they should just come up with a you know, means of maybe they could find teams for benching players for load management or even, or even like have a a minimum amount of time that they have to play. So say like what they do now, they sit them the whole game, they play them for, you know, 10, 12 minutes. That counts as a, a, like a load management. But if they do load management, then they get fined or they, the, the the players are set another game or something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's going to take because I also don't want to have like players or teams punished just by, you know, some guys needing get needing to get rest. Cause some guys, you know, they do need to be, you know, some guys just do need a night off. I'm not saying that like you not saying that that's the case, but you know, you have guys like Kawhi Leonard, like taking half a season off and then just well, showing he's up also just, you know, injury prone. Yeah. But then, but then they're just guys that show up for the playoffs and it's like, what the hell? Like, what's the point of even doing the regular season if you're just going to keep doing this? So, yeah, I'm not sure exactly if load management always means that they're just taking the night off. Sometimes it might mean that they have an injury. Mm-hmm. So I think it might, it could be a new thing where, like hockey, they don't disclose the injury, maybe for the their advantage, so mm-hmm. the other team doesn't know. Sure. So, you know, maybe this load management thing isn't the worst, and we'll see this year. It might be like the NFL preseason where you see a lot more injuries due to the fact that the players aren't, um, well, in the terms of NFL, they weren't acclimated to the playing field yet, but in the NBA, they don't have um, adequate rest. Sure. I will say this, though. Apparently, uh, the betting odds in Vegas are betting the Celtics heavily to win this cup. The Celtics can't win shit. Oh, well, oh, I mean, sorry. listen, that's We're fine. That's all good. <laughs> no, but they're betting. Apparently, the, they're apparently betting the Celtics to win this thing heavily. 
And frankly, that disgusts me because it just means that they would try so hard in this like little in-season tournament where probably no one else would be going hard. You'd have Jason Tatum out there playing probably the whole game and it would just be a complete ridiculous, uh, ridiculous affair. And then, you know, they get to the playoffs and they'd, you know, proceed to craft themselves again like they did again, <laughs> like like they did against Miami. Turn 15 turnovers in a game. Exactly. Two so, players, too. But guess what? They won the NBA Cup and I would just I, I would shoot myself. I would be I'd so pissed off. I get a T-shirt. Oh, my God. If they oh, my God, if they sell merchandise. I'd be so freaking pissed, Brian. They I definitely don't... will. You know, it's capitalism at its finest. Oh, right my here. God. I'd fucking hate that. We need. Let's let's wind it back to the whole Jason Tatum thing. This year is the make or break on Jason Tatum and J- Jalen Brown together. Hundred percent. One of them does not step up and be a leader. Yeah, which, their ass is out the door. In my opinion, I don't think Jason Tatum can be a leader with the way he acts. Mm-hmm. So I think that Jalen Brown needs to step up, and if he doesn't, then you know he's going to get the boot, and rightfully so. Yeah. Got rid I, of Marcus Smart for that reason, just to find a leader, and that's what I think. I'm not. Sure. No, I I do agree with you. I think that listen, Marcus Smart was great. And I like I like his hustle. I like the fact that he was trying to be a leader, but that just isn't his role with the team. You're the third guy, and I really wouldn't even say you're the third guy in a big three. It was a dynamic duo between Tatum and Brown, and Marcus Smart was kind of stealing their thunder there. So I'm glad that they're finally gonna allow you know one of those guys to try to be the leader. I'm hoping that it's Tatum, and I'm hoping that he can step up big time and you know finally have you know a position of authority on the team. But I just don't know, man. And then. The other thing, too, this was an interesting take I heard on sports radio the the other day, and it was, you know, look at if you look at some guys, you know, earlier in their careers, like Paul George, when he first burst onto the scene with the Pacers, people were like, oh, he's going to be, you know, that number one guy. He would be the guy that in theory would um, bring other talent to Indiana to lead the Pacers to a title. Evidently, it didn't work out. And now if you look at where Paul George is now, he's in L.A. and he's the number two guy to Kawhi Leonard. In my opinion, he's the number two behind Kawhi. Kawhi is the, in my opinion, definitive number one guy. And it had me wondering, is Jason Tatum really a number one, you know, scoring option for a team? I know that, you know, right now we would all probably say yes. But at the time when Paul George was come, was bursting onto the scene, everyone thought, oh, this guy is going to be next up. We even saw some NBA, uh, some NBA rookie saying like, oh, Paul George is my goat because like they watched him because they watched him younger growing up. So do you think that Tatum, you know, right now from what you've seen does have what it takes to be a number one, or does he have to maybe get with someone that is more of an alpha, maybe a Nikola Jokic or a Giannis Antetokounmpo? That's a tough question to be honest with you. Um, You know, the Paul George situation, he's just, he wasn't the same after that injury, Mm -hmm. but when he was young, that was one of my favorite players to watch. Just 100%. But the playing style of those two is so different in the fact that Paul George is an efficient player. Mm-hmm. He gets it done at the rim and from three. And in my opinion, Jason Tatum kind of kind of lackluster in terms of, you know, making his own shots. He's fluky. I think he's he tries to be an isolation player, but at times, you know, when there's no option. You would think he'd get the ball moving around and instead he tries to force up his own shot. I just I think he could be a one guy, but I think he needs some more work. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I mean, listen, I think that, you know, he has a lot of promise, but he's just like he just can. Like you said, like he can have just moments of immaturity and he just doesn't really come through when it's needed. So 
I like to see him, you know, step up this year and take that alpha role that uh, is being thrust upon to him. So we're going to have to see how that kind of works itself out. So that's what we have in terms of that storyline with uh, the NBA um, in season tournament and also the Celtics and all that stuff going on. But another NBA storyline, which I wanted to touch upon was, and I'm surprised I haven't gotten to it yet, but that's just the way that um, my schedule and stuff has fallen with the show. It's the whole Damian Lillard trade saga. So, you know, I haven't even talked about it on the show, but Damian Lillard did request a trade from the Portland Trailblazers. He listed Miami as the only team he wants to go to. So he only wants to be a member of the Miami Heat. And so far, the Trailblazers do not like what the what the Heat are offering up. And, you know, apparently Damian's uh, agent is coming out and saying like, hey, any other team that trades for him is going to get an unhappy player that isn't going to show up to camp. And frankly, this just gives me like the James Harden, like fat suit vibes. Like, remember if he when he was uh, in Houston and, you know, yeah. the, and, and they were like, yeah, we're not trading. And he was like, all right, I'm just going to get huge and, and not in a good way. And eventually they were like, all right, fine, we'll ship your ass to Brooklyn. Like they eventually sent him out of there. So I don't know what it's going to be like with Damian Lillard, but I don't know. What do you think about this? So I actually work with a guy who's a huge Damian Lillard guy, like. Every time I talk about the Celtics, she'd be like, we need Dame to play. We need Dame time. I'm like, all right, whatever. And then he comes out and he says this, you know, I think that a lot of other teams would offer up way more for Damian Lillard than the Heat would. And, I mean, he'd be a great fit in Miami, let's be honest. Oh, he would be a great fit. Him, I'm and, not, him and Butler and no Vincent to back him up. Um, But... Well, Vincent's obviously in L.A. now. Right, but I'm saying he wouldn't have, like, a backup, so he could really, you know, get a lot of playing time there. Yeah. Um, But that being said, I think as a player, you should just take what you can get and not really, you know, require that. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the fact, like, here's the thing. Like, it's not like he has a trade, um, like, a no-trade clause where he can essentially say, like, no, I want to go where I want to go. He doesn't have that on his contract. The mm-hmm. the Trailblazers are free to send him wherever the hell they want. They could send him to Minnesota if they want to. Like it doesn't matter. So I don't know. I've just been looking at those whole at this whole situation though, and you know Damian Lillard, you know when he was obviously with Portland and he was preaching about loyalty and he was like, I want to stay with this team. I like this. Like I don't want to have to just go out there and go ring chasing. And like I had a sense of respect for the guy. But in the course of a week since like this whole story broke and this whole situation with the Heat, he's gone from one of the most likable players to the biggest bitch in the NBA. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's kind of reminding me of Kyrie right now. Yeah. It, it's unreal. And I thought I thought that he would be above that stuff, I, frankly. I really did think he'd be above it. And I understand like he thinks Miami is the best situation for him. Not doubting it. You can say that, hey, my preferred destination is the Miami Heat. But just saying, like, oh, I won't show up to training camp for any other team. Like, what are you doing? Like, at that point, like, if I'm a Miami Heat player, like, what kind of, like, I don't know if I would really like this guy coming into my building. Obviously, you're going to appreciate the fact that he wants to team up with you. But if he's going to be so, so such a fucking drama queen with all this stuff, like, I'd be, you know, I'd be kind of ready to, you know, I'd be kind of like a little weary there. Yeah, I never expected Dame to even want to leave Portland, but no. I don't know. It's yeah. just the way he's been acting is just a cancer to the locker room. So no, it's crazy. I, I think... it, it's very similar to the Kyrie situation where he yeah. was just ripping Boston apart. And like, you know, then he does the whole thing where he comes back, where he comes back with Brooklyn. And he's like stepping on the logo and he's like calling out the fans and he's doing all this stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? Like what turned so quickly? I understand that management 
hasn't done you good hasn't done you good since you've been here. I know that you wanted them to trade the number two pick and instead of drafting Scoot Henderson and actually go out there and uh you know go and acquire a really uh you know go and acquire someone. So I know that that was we are a prerogative, but the team just wasn't going in that direction. I'm sorry. Like they had a good chance to go pick up someone that they think can impact the team going forward, and they and they went with it. Yeah, it's fair. I really don't have anything more to say about this other than, you know, I'm kind of, I don't know how to say this. I'm kind of uh, disappointed. Yeah, I am too. And I mean, listen, I know that there have been some reports that Jason Tatum even was, uh, um, he apparently was trying to recruit Dame to Boston. He was like on his Instagram live stories. He's been like saying stuff to him nonstop, even like behind the scenes. So I don't know. With everything that's come out, would you even consider bringing Dame into Boston at this point with everything that's going on? Would you even want to entertain a trade if, say, Tatum was to, you know, swing him? Or, like, would you say would you say it's probably just too, too risky of a play at this point? That's tough because Dame is known for those moments that we need. We don't yes. have a player that will step up in those clutch moments. But will he be the same guy is the real question. Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't know what if he will at that point because, I one, I also don't know what it's going to take to get him. It it probably would take Jalen Brown going in a deal. That's probably what it would take. Either that or they try to – they don't even, like, bring Porzingis in. They actually end up flipping him, and they send, like, those eight second-round picks that they've compiled at this point out to Portland. I don't know what they're going to do, but I don't – I'm not too sure. I don't know what it would really take to get him. And then – Another thing, too, is I know that Boston is compiling all these second-round picks. Yeah, I was going to say that. I, I don't know why. Because, listen. In, I think they can trade him. For what, though? In my opinion, a second-round pick in the NBA is useless. I know that there have been plenty of guys that have gotten drafted in the second round. Draymond Green, Nikola Jokic. I think Manu, uh, Manu Ginobili even got taken with a second-round pick. So there are Hall of Fame-level players that are available at that at that that in that um, spot. But it's more a shot in the dark than anything else. In the NFL... A second round pick is incredibly valuable. Incredibly you a, valuable. You get a top tier running back second round. Hundred percent. But in the NBA, you're kind of just like you're literally just like you know shooting fish in a barrel at that point. You're just hoping you'll hit something. So like that's kind of the whole deal there. So I I don't get it, man. I think that you know you know if there's a team that's stupid enough to want to take a bunch of second round picks, go for it, man. But in the NBA, like once you get outside the lottery, everything's a gamble. Yeah, even the lottery sometimes a gamble. You know? Yeah, like pretty much outside the first like top five picks, it kind of yeah. becomes like, I uh, man, like just you better pray. <laughs> well, we're on this topic. What about that new guy we just got the the bald dude from Arkansas? Uh oh yeah, Jordan Walsh. Jordan Walsh. Yeah, he's been uh he's, he's been tearing it up. Yeah, he's been he's been interesting. I remember actually kind of watching him during the March Madness tournament, and you know seeing him come over here, I thought that he would frankly just be a G League player and. You know, I think that he does have a chance to actually get into the rotation and get some minutes, which is, you know, I'm I'm intrigued by it because I didn't think that's what we would see from him so far. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, yeah. I was kind of shocked, too, because, I mean, he was good. He was good in college, but, yeah. you yeah. know, the transition sometimes is hard on those uh, second-round picks. Yeah, he ended up saying, uh, well, he was a first-round pick. He was, like, right, the 27th right. yeah. overall pick. And he ended, I think he said something along the lines of, like, 
yeah, I've heard in Boston if they, like, they like guys who will dive on the floor and like make like these great defensive plays over guys that shoot the basketball. And he goes, I'm going to be the first. I'm going to be that guy. So I'm excited if, for him to come in there and do that. If he's the new scrappy guy, maybe maybe in a sense, he's like Marcus Smart without like Marcus like Smart, but bald. Yeah, well, Marcus Smart, but bald, but also him without like the whole like personality behind them because he's a rookie. He's just getting into into the league. He still has to prove himself. So he's not essentially going to have the attitude of a veteran NBA player at this point. Yeah. What do you think about D white this season? I, sorry. I was thinking of bald <laughs> white just popped in my head. Well, Did yeah. You see those pictures. Yeah. He, sha- <laughs> he shaved it. He shaved his head. He said, you know, man, I'm, I'm done with he's losing done. this battle. So yeah, he shaved the hairline, which was crazy. I think that he has a really good chance to be great with us this year. Um, You know, you saw the heroics uh, in the playoffs and, you know, n- not just that, but defensively and even uh, his um, three point shot is starting to look really come together. And I think that he could be a really good piece for uh, for that big five. Could you see him playing point for us? hundred percent. I think that I think that's kind of what they were thinking, you know, trade off Marcus Smart. And then I think I think White. I think he's the starting point guard of this team. In my opinion, I don't think that Malcolm Brogdon will be with the team to start the night will be with the team to start the year. You think uh, Brogdon a couple second rounders for something? For what, though? I That's a big thing. Like, I know it, it sucks because he was originally supposed to be part of the deal that was going to land Porzingis. And then Marcus Smart would have made more sense, you know, staying staying there. So I just don't know what we would get for him. Yeah, me neither. I, I, <laughs> I can't think of a guy that's kind of that caliber. Like we, um, we kind of got some big man help with with Porzingis. But I don't know if there's like maybe a guard we can get if there's something like that. Like, you know, who I wouldn't mind getting is uh, Nurkic. Yeah, Nurkic would be solid. I know that DeJounte Murray was also a name that was being shopped yeah, around with DeJounte the team. DeJounte Murray, we'd have to give up something crazy. Yeah. He's on the Spurs, though, right? Uh, Hawks. Hawks. See? Yeah. I'm so far behind in <laughs> the NBA. That shows you how much I I really watch other than the Celtics. <laughs> nah, that's fair. So, I mean, I think that they got a good shot, Um, you know, to go out there and, you know, put together a solid team next year. I think that they still do need, like, one piece to fall, and that will be whoever they acquire for Brogdon. So uh, once that happens, we'll have a clearer picture of what this team's going to look like moving forward. Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of what we have in NBA news for you guys. Uh, Brian, I know that you there was some stuff you want to talk about maybe in the NHL, NFL. What were some things that you wanted to talk about on this on the show? So for the Bruins, you know, I'm a big Bruins guy, ride or die. But this this offseason has really been rough on me. You know, we're trade. We trade. Um, one of our best players, in my opinion, Taylor Hall, mm-hmm. who's really been locked down on the third line for years now. Yeah. And we ship him out with Fel- uh, Fellini. Fellini, who's, you know, he's a rough and tough guy, which you need on every team. For these two guys that, you know, in my opinion, for face value, are not even close to up to par, uh, two defenders, and we just let them go like that, which at the time was under my impression that we were just – you know, freeing up cap space for Bertuzzi. Yeah, I thought I thought at that point, all right, you know, it sucks. It's a tough pill to swallow, but we are going to free up the cap space. We're going to give uh, Tyler Bertuzzi and then even Dimitri Orlov big contracts. We're going to bring them back and, you know, have a, you know, really bolster this team. And then, like you said, uh, Orlov goes to, what was it, Philadelphia? Flyers. Yeah, he goes to the Flyers and then Bertuzzi takes a one, one-year $5 million deal with the Leafs. With the Leafs. And I'm like, we couldn't that's have done that. Hurt. Like that, that's what stings too. It's like, we definitely could have brought him back for that money. Yeah. I I really wanted, 
to either see Tuzi or Orloff stay. With the way Orloff is playing in the playoffs, it was unbelievable to see a defender with his offensive skills. Mm-hmm. So I could have really liked seeing him play another season or at least extend him a couple years. Yeah. But I mean Philly gave him good money. The one that hurt the most was definitely Bertuzzi at that just a one year deal. Yeah. And to our rival, like how are you gonna let that happen? Yeah. How do you let that get by? Like that's that's the crazy thing. Other thing I want to talk about is uh Krejci and Bergeron. Yeah. Really don't know anything yet. Yeah, it's crazy. We're in July and it's you really don't know what this team is gonna look like come the fall. I know that we did just get back Milan Lucic, which is interesting. Yeah, baby. He was he, he when was he last on the team? Like twenty fifteen. It, it it's been like seven years in 2015. I might've been before that. Cause he won the cup with us in 11. Yeah. Oh man. yeah. He, he, it's crazy. Like he's been off the, he's team. a scrapper though. That's a guy I want to see this season. I'll be, sure. I'll be excited to see him black um, back in the black and gold, but like the, the big issue with, with Lucic is he's so slow. He's just old. Yeah. He's old. He's slow. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's going to be a great story for him to come back to Boston. Maybe this is his last hurrah. And, uh, you know, that's and that's it for him. But the only thing I can see this as a potential help with is getting Bergeron and Krejci back in the building. Right. That, like, that, like I'm hoping that this is like the, this is like the Hail Mary. Hey, we could one last run. Hey, we couldn't do it with Chara. So we're going to bring back we're going to bring back Lucic instead. And we're going to try to do it with this group. And like and maybe they're like, you know what? Let's try to run it back with the boys. Let's try to make a play. Get some Tyler Sagan up in here. Oh my God. (laughs) We'd have to give up our whole roster for Tyler Sagan. Pretty much. Um, but one other thing is our goalie situation. We don't know. We I think we signed some random guy from either the miners from Providence or Mm. something, but we don't know what we're doing with Sway or um what's his name? Olmark, yeah. Yeah. Uh, frankly, I think that I've been seeing the reports. I think they should trade Olmark. That's that was my theory because because he, he's the he just won the Vesna and from right. you know different. I'm not a big hockey guy. Drop I drop name, What's Anthony that? Gill. Drop it. Yeah. What about it? Big Gill. That's his theory right there. Oh, I, the oh, Vesna. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But yeah, he I I will give him credit for that. He ended up saying like once guys win the Vesna, like they're never the same after that. Like they like they never really get back to that level of play. And it's probably like you want to sell high and maybe you can get some, maybe you can get actually get a quality piece. And you take a guy in Jeremy Swayman and you say like, all right, you know, in the limited time that he had out there for action, he was good for us. So just throw him back out there and, you know, give him some more, give him some more time and, you know, get in a quality backup. Another theory that Anthony brought up, which I thought was pretty good, was the idea that Olmark was only so good because of the split time that we gave with Sway, Mm -hmm. which to be fair, I don't you don't see any other NHL goalie split in time like that. No. But also the other thing that led me to think that we'll trade Olmark was his very subpar playoff playoff. Very Play, lackluster. Playoffs. He's had t- he's had a, t- a tough two blast playoffs like Yeah. So you can't be giving up six, five goals a game yeah, when it comes it, to playoff time. Yeah, it's easy when you have the best regular season in NHL history and things are going great for you and you can kind of you know, relax a little bit knowing like your team's going to go off and score seven goals. So like, like that's, that's what makes it easy. But like when it came down to the playoffs, like he should have been out come, what was it? Probably game five of that series. Game five. I blame that on Montgomery too. <sighs> yeah. That, like that's the big thing too. I would have said like, and cause he was hurt in that series. So you were, you were still uh, sending him out there with that hip injury. And they should have said, all right, we're going to put Swayman in for game five. Yeah. We're up three, one. 
we have some room to run here. Let's get the kid some action. Cause up to that point, he hadn't seen the ice in like 10 days. So that I think it was actually close to 21. Yeah. It, it had been a while. I think like, no, two, I, 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 I think it was two weeks. I two think, weeks, I think two it was weeks. by the time he came but back in game seven. Ridiculous. Se- well, yeah. The reason I was saying that was because the time he came back in game seven, I think they said it had been two weeks. So I, so I said around 10 days cause I yeah. wasn't necessarily sure. Uh, just, uh, the exact time so i think it was around 10 days since he had last seen time on the ice so he should have gotten back on then just to get his legs under him in case omar couldn't go later on in the playoffs i think they should have done it not even for that but for the point that orloff we were not orloff jesus (laughs) omar we were barely winning by the skin of our teeth the last three games and he was giving up three four goals a game Mm -hmm. you know see how sway comes in maybe sway catches fire that night and we win in five yeah other big mistake of that too was I don't know if they should have reintroduced Bergeron as as early as they did in that series because they were performing just fine without him. They were doing good without him, and I know he's your captain. It might have been his decision, though. I don't know. It probably was, but, you know, and listen, I can understand that, but and I get he's your captain, but sometimes you have to say, like, the team's doing pretty well right now. We don't want to disrupt the rhythm. Yeah, fair. I mean, and that, and that's and that's and that's just like hindsight being twenty twenty. I know that, like looking back on it now, like I can say that you know from you know where I'm coming from, but that's how I look at it. So I don't know that that's kind of a little NHL minute we had for you, Brian. Was there anything in the NFL that you wanted to talk about? Um, just the news on Dalvin Cook slash D Hop. Yeah, what we think is gonna go there. Maybe maybe some early season predictions because you know it's only a couple weeks out for preseason yeah it is only a couple weeks away now so in my opinion the the more and more days that go by that d hop hasn't signed with the patriots and you know when he was in that building taking pictures of matthew judon the late the less likely it is for me that he's going to end up a patriot i heard that there were some storylines that the kansas city chiefs are going to potentially start to move some money around to see if they could get him in and at that point, if that happens, I think it's over. I think D Hop is a chief. I think he would go there. I think he because at this point, what's the big thing he needs to do in his career at this point? He needs to win a ring. That's that's really it at this point. And if the Kansas City can actually get a sol- a solidified number one receiver back in that room, which they didn't have last year during their Super Bowl team. Like I know that I know they had Juju in there, but like That's he, a Patriot right there. Yeah, he had Juju in there, but like no one was really a number one with the team. He had McCole Hardman. He had guys like Sky Moore out there making plays. And I get it. When you have Travis Kelsey, you don't really need a number one wide receiver. But just adding D-Hop to that offense, I think it's I think it would be a slam dunk for KC to run it back to the Super Bowl. I agree. I think him and uh, Kadarius Tony they have now, too. Mm-hmm. That could be a dangerous duo as 100%. long as they can both stay healthy. Yeah, I think that could be something to really look at. Dalvin Cook is interesting. I know I think right now he's looking at the AFC East as his big tent as like the two as the division he wants to go to. And I think right now it's between the Pats and the dolphins. I think that's what I've heard. So I don't know if, I don't know if Miami makes it makes a ton of sense for him. I know that they have kind of an interesting running back situation. New England, I think would suit him more because, you know, Damian Harris left. He's in Buffalo now. And really there's no other guys that you're splitting time with besides Ramondre Stevenson. I know that he's going to be your number one power back, but you could use Dalvin Cook more out of the backfield, catching passes, making plays like that. And I think that, uh, you know, he would be a great addition to that uh, New England running game. The problem is, is there's just so many good running backs in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. When you got Jacobs, Henry, 
Ramondre Stevenson, I would put up there, to yeah. be honest with At you. At this point, he should be in the competition. Yeah, but you know, one team that I see that kind of lacks a star running back is Buffalo. I could really see him going there, teaming up with his brother and making some damage. Because Singletary, really, he's just, he's all right, but yeah. he's nothing crazy. He's not a Dalvin Cook. No. I would say Green Bay, but, you know, they got A.J. Dillon, everything over there. The Bears, they got um, Montgomery. Mm-hmm. It's just everybody's got their own guy. Even Seattle. I was going to say Seattle earlier, but then, um, you know, Ken- Kenny Walker the third has been outstanding. Yeah. And he's only in his second year. So, I mean, he'll find where he lands, but there's really just not a lot of teams out there shopping for a running back. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because we've been seeing it recently. Like when these running backs, like they have like such like high praise when they're with their first team, the team that drafted them. But as soon as they you know get let go, they go to free agency. Everyone just looks at them, and there's a bunch of question marks. It's like, all right, well, what's up? Is this guy hurt? Like, how long can he continue to play competitive ball? Like Ezekiel Elliott doesn't have a contract with anyone. He hasn't signed anywhere, and I know he's a different case because he, he's older. Mid. But but look but look at that though like like he was very highly regarded when he, when he was a Dallas Cowboy. I know that his numbers had fallen off over the, over the years with them, and like you know Tony and Tony Pollard started to kind of take that number one spot from him there. But a guy like that doesn't have a contract, and you know I don't know if Dalvin Cook's going to have to settle for less money, what he's going to have to look for. But I don't know. I think he would be a great fit in New England. I don't think New England's going to pay him the price that he wants. That's the problem that I see. Yeah. I mean, New England doesn't really pay anyone the price they want unless they, unless men, unless, yeah. Unless Robert Kraft steps in and says like, all right, like we're, 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 we're selling out the house for this guy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I could see honestly him going to Arizona. Mm, that could be that too. That'd be an interesting move with Connor. Oh, you're right, dude. I sometimes I forget about Connor, but Connor, that's one guy that is like up or down. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could it, see him maybe. It would make sense for him to go out there though, because they're gonna be without Kyler Murray for the first couple of weeks, so they would want to maybe bolster their running game. Yeah, that's true. At first, I was thinking Edmonds was the only guy they got, but mm-hmm. you know, they they do have Connor. There's just so many. You know, you got Harris. All, yeah, all those guys up here. But back to the the uh, Cowboy stuff. I don't think Zeke produces enough anymore where he's valuable to a team. Whereas, I mean, is there any team that you could really see signing Zeke? Zeke? Even to a vet man? I could see him being like a red zone running back for a team that really, I don't know. I could see maybe him going to the Vikings. You know, if they let go of Cook, they uh, they got Madison, who's a good, you know, speed back. But in the red zone, Madison's not a power back like mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook is. So they might need a guy that needs to punch in the end zone. Yeah. So I could see that. But other than that, I don't see Zeke being a number one guy that's carrying the main load. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I mean, to kind of just look at uh, they kind of shift off uh, Dalvin Cook and Hopkins and, you know, the team that we were linking them to at the start of this topic, uh, which was the Patriots. uh, Just to look at them in general, like the Patriots in general, how do you feel about that team's going to next year? I know that people have a lot of high praise for Mac Jones. They say that. He looks like he's starting to, you know, actually build up some arm strength. I think they saw him like throwing like a 70 yard pass on the fly, which was like really good. Um, Yeah. Like, I don't know. How do you feel about them? You know, I had a lot of excitement for them. 
at the beginning when they signed when they signed Smith Schuster, I was like, all right, there you go. And um, they started bolstering their secondary, which has proven to be a good idea now that, you know, Jack Jones is gone. Yeah. But speaking of, of that, Jack Jones is a guy that really was a lockdown in their secondary and seeing him gone. They're going to really have to find a guy that they can replace him to cover those number one receivers, which, as we know, in the NFL, those number one receivers are some some big weapons, especially when you're going up teams like the Vikings or the Rams when they got guys that are going for almost 2,000 yards a season, you know? So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. No, 100%. So uh, they're going to be a team that, I don't know, I look at the Patriots and I think that they have, you know, a good shot to maybe compete for that second spot in the AFC East, but I don't know. It's going to be, I think that if New York lives up to the expectations that they have, then I think that they could take the division. But in my opinion, the Patriots highest spot realistically is probably going to be third place in the, in the division. I agree. I, I just, I just don't know who Buffalo, is. I think will take it again. Yeah. I think Buffalo could take it. I think the jets will probably be the wild card team. And then it's just going to be a matter if Tua gets, you know, another gets concussed again. If he, if he can say on the field, then I don't know. Like, I don't know what this team is going to be able to do just based on the, on the extra talent in that division with them. Yeah, their division is a real tough one. That and uh, it used to be the AFC South used to be a tough division mm-hmm. to be in. But right now it's looking like the AFC East and the NFC West are, are yeah, is that the two, yeah, the two, the, tightest, the two divisions. tightest divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I see Buffalo as a one seed. Uh, two seed, I could see as a toss-up. It really depends on how this Jets team comes together. You know, if they really coagulate you know come together or yeah, I mean, if rogers just sucks like then yeah then they're screwed you never know he's been he's been in the green bay system for what 15 years already yeah. so he, he doesn't know anything else so coming into a new jet system under robert sala who knows mm-hmm. now you make a good point so i don't know a lot of a lot of interesting questions to be had i know that the nfl like you said the preseason's only a couple weeks away so can't wait to see that all get unfolded but uh unfortunately bryant we are now down to the wire which means we're going to wrap up what we talked about in this episode today and send all you guys on your way so before we do that if you guys are not subscribed to down the wire just yet make sure you go do that Uh, we have links in our instagram account to our youtube channel spotify apple Podcasts, all those different streaming channels so you can follow us there and then you can follow us on our instagram at down dot to the wire so go follow us on there what do we got there Nice. That was Max on the Instagram live. Nice. Love to see it. So uh, we started the show off today talking about the Boston Red Sox and how we think that they're going to fare going into the second half of the season. We had some differences of opinions on that. So we talked about their trade deadline approach as well as whether they should be in on two-way phenom Shohei Otani. We talked about the NBA Cup and whether that will actually do a good job in counteracting load management as well as the Damian Lillard trade saga and his whole uh, departure from Portland. In NHL news, we talked about the Boston Bruins' uh, tumultuous offseason so far and the moves that they have made. And in NFL news, we talked about the futures of Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins, as well as uh, giving a little preview of the New England Patriots to start next year. So, Bryant, thank you so much for coming on the show again, man. I really do appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, it was awesome to have you. So, from down to the wire, I'm Brian Costa. I'm Brian Johnson. We hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Take care. Peace out. WJMF Radio.